Hello. Welcome. Hello and welcome indeed. You're listening to Egyptian Dream, brought to you by the Planet Sport Football Africa team here in Cairo. I'm Tom Ellis. And I'm Liam Flint. And it's day 23 of the Africa Cup of Nations. Coming up on today's podcast, we're going to be delving a bit into some of the ancient history, tradition and culture of Egypt. We'll also be hearing your comments and messages and hearing from Planet Sport Football Africa producer Steve Vickers as he attempts to answer your question. We've only got one more day left. One more day left after today, bringing you this podcast from Cairo. Don't worry, it will be coming to you throughout the remainder of the tournament, but only one more left from us in Cairo. Now, yesterday we headed down to one of the world's most important collections of ancient artefacts. Situated on Tahir Square, the Egyptian Museum, or the Museum of Egyptian Antiques, is home to more than 100,000 objects, including the treasures of Tutankhamun and other great pharaohs, a bit of an ode to the nation's ancient heritage. There's also a mummy room, isn't there, Liam? There is also a mummy room, which attracts many people. You don't have to pay more, though, don't you? You have to pay Mm. an extra bit on top to get access to the royal mummy room, as it's called. So, of course, flying all this way to come out to Cairo, we had to go and go the whole way. We had to go into the mummy room. So, yeah, very much enjoyed our trip to the museum. As you said, thousands of artefacts. Very hard to know where to start, really. And I think in hindsight, maybe a tour guide would have been a good idea because as soon as we get in, you very quickly realise things are not labelled brilliantly and people are just going all over the place. It's a massive warehouse. We did manage to find those main attractions. So Tutankhamun's tomb, we had a good look there, all of his belongings, plus, of course, the mummy room. There was so much to take in and we had an hour, so it was a bit of a, a race against the clock, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. There is stuff absolutely everywhere um, and it's hard to know where to start and where to finish. So much history, of course. So little time. So little time. Uh, we did only have an hour, uh, so we rushed around. But that mummy room was quite amazing, Like just staring at things from so many years ago, stuff that we've read in history books uh, over the years. Yeah, it was quite mesmerising, really. I mean, you could look at it and say, well, it's just a room of dusty mummies and just a room full of uh, old dead people. But it's so much more than that. When you think about who these people were, what they meant to their civilization at the time, these are some of the, the leading pharaohs of that generation, of that time. Some amazing people like Ramses II were in there. The only queen of Egypt in there, Hatshepsut. It was absolutely amazing just to be able to look into their faces. And these mummies are over 3,000 years old. I reckon you nailed that pronunciation. I reckon I nailed that pronunciation as well, Hapetshut. So what privilege it was just to look into their faces, what kind of stories would they have told us from their existence, what kind of challenges did they have living in ancient Egypt. Some of them even had hair still, didn't they? So the way they've been preserved is out of this world. So it was definitely worth the extra extra money. Yeah, and as you said, one of the other highlights, uh, the tomb and treasures of Tutankhamun, discovered by British archaeologist Howard Carter, in the 1920s. Uh, Quite incredible, really, actually, not that long ago, this incredible discovery of all these ancient artefacts. Tutankhamun, obviously, the Egyptian pharaoh during the 18th dynasty, a period of Egyptian history known as the New Kingdom. He was just around nine years old when he became pharaoh and was believed to have reigned for about nine years before he died for reasons unknown. And perhaps 
one of the most famous ancient Egyptian images and artefacts that we were lucky to come face to face with uh, was the boy king's death mask, which would have been placed over his head in his tomb, made of solid gold, but described often as the most beautiful object ever made and famous across the world. And, and you've got a papyrus, is it papyrus? Yeah, it is papyrus. You've got a papyrus art piece of it. I have. I've got a uh, lovely token to take home with me. Um, a visual reminder, Tutankhamun drawn onto lovely papyrus from the Nile, gathered from the Nile. I'm going to take that home with me as a reminder. But yes, Tutankhamun, you hear about it at school. We've read about that in textbooks to actually come face to face with his desk mast to see his throne that he would have sat on, to see all of the things that they put in his tomb along with him after his death is absolutely amazing. For such a, a young man, the responsibility that was put on his shoulders and then, of course, to, to die so young as well. So many questions for good old Toot. And, of course, King Toot is the AFCON 2019 official mascot, a footballer pharaoh inspired by the famous Egyptian king himself but donning a red football shirt with his foot on the ball. So we've seen him about the place a bit and even taken a little photo with King Toot. We have, and it's a very iconic image, uh, very good idea, great marketing from everyone at CAF and people to do with the Egyptian FA. So that's been a very memorable um, picture for us as we leave Cairo in the next couple of days. We also visited a section of the museum that was dedicated to sport in ancient Egypt. Mm. Things like hunting, rowing, fishing. Catch catch juggling yeah they seem to uh, like ball games so there was a cabinet full of different kind of balls that were all made up of reeds from the nile very cleverly done uh, they seem to like a lot of uh, ball games catch as you say hunting they enjoyed getting out onto the nile and racing that way so uh, wrestling was also a big one so lots of different ways there of passing the time and we saw actually in the mummy room quite a few of the pharaohs were known as athletic sportsmen so it would have been great to speak to them and actually find out in what way were you an athletic sportsman? Were you good at catch? Were you a great hunter or were you a bit of a wrestler? We'll never know. Now, with two days off the football, you can probably tell we're in full-on history culture mode. And last week, you may remember, we visited Garbage City, a district and community in Cairo predominantly made up of Coptic Christians who collect, recycle and process much of the city's waste in order to make a living. Having visited a factory and families in the area and having made our way through piles of waste, we were then taken by Macarius, who lives there in the community, to one of the largest Christian churches in the country, the Monastery of St Simon, also known as the Cave Church, a place of worship for one of the world's oldest Christian communities. It's a long way up. Wow. We stood in the auditorium of the largest cave church in the world here, carved into the side of Mokadam Mountain. It's amazing, isn't it? It is absolutely amazing. Can't really put it into words just how amazing this place is. You need to be here, I think. Just think the scale of it, to think built out of the rock, out of the cave, massive auditorium, thousands of people could get in here. Absolutely amazing. I uh, feel, yeah, feel very privileged to be here. So this place can seat 20,000 people. It's filled twice a year, yeah. uh, but tell us about this place, Macarius. Yeah, uh, we, uh, the father named uh, Father Simon who established Garbage City, uh, he was a pastor. So a garbage co a collector invited him in 1970 to come to preach about Jesus and spread the gospel among the Christian. 
who were neglected by that time. So he invited him to come up to the empty mountain. Once the pastor stand and look at it and imagine, he asked him himself, why not we convert these empty places to be a cave church? And then we can attract people from everywhere. So he, man he managed it and he started 1970. And he worked to, to take off and prepare the church for 15 years and make it one of the largest cave church in the world, which 20,000 can worship inside the mountain. And there are weekly prayer meetings here as well. Who attends those? Yeah, most of them are Christian. There's weekly Friday and Sunday Mass in the morning and weekly Thursday meeting prayer. And what's the greatest significance, importance of this as a place of worship here in Egypt and in Cairo? Uh, first of all, it's a very natural church. Like, I mean, there is no much things here like we are in the mountain now under the cave church once you come in you will say wow every guest i invite him to come in the church he say wow the first word he say wow when he look up to the mountain and he say how huge is it he say wow like first of all it's very natural it's different church it's the biggest one in the world and we are proud of that and last thing uh, people here in Garber City are very creative. We create and found and establish a church like this to attract people from all over the world. And what was our first word, Liam, as we walked into the auditorium? Wow. Is it wow? It was wow. Now we must say we haven't been able to verify that that is the largest cave church in the world, but it's certainly believed to be one of the largest cave churches in the world, if not the largest, and it was quite incredible, wasn't it? Oh, it's certainly got to be up there. It may not be number one, but that was huge. What an amazing find that was for us. The architecture is absolutely stunning. You almost feel like you're in an amphitheater in the Roman times. Quite breathtaking, so many seats, and just the fact that it's built out of the rock, it's built out of the, the cliff. It is a cave in essence, just an amazing place. Imagine going there every week, meeting your friends, hearing the sermon. Absolutely amazing place to say that you go to church. And it's such a, a privilege to just be able to walk around and just see something that has been built by man in such a, an amazing way. Now, despite the lack of football, you've still been getting in touch on social media and WhatsApp. So we've had a question from a listener in the Gambia called Mboy Jallo. Mboy, thanks for getting in touch. You asked, who is the leading goal scorer in AFCON? And so, as always, we need to pass this one up to a man full of wisdom and experience. Producer Steve Vickers, here's what he had to say. Uh, well, Mboy, it depends what you mean by leading goal scorer. If you're talking of at this tournament, uh, we have four players on three goals. That's Adam Unas of Algeria, Odion Igalo of Nigeria and Sadio Mane of Senegal. Those three are still in the tournament. Also on three goals is Cedric Bakambu of DR Congo, uh, who were knocked out in the round of 16. In terms of the all-time top Nations Cup goal scorer, that's Cameroon legend Samuel Eto with 18 goals. And at a single tournament, and Dai Mulamba of Zaire holds the record with nine goals at the 1974 Nations Cup. Zaire now, of course, the DRC. And Dai Mulamba died in South Africa in poverty this January, and he's been remembered at some of the matches here with a minute silence before kickoff. And uh, even though there are more games now at the Nations Cup, and Dai Mulamba's record of nine goals at a single tournament will surely be very difficult to beat. 
Okay, Mboy, I hope you found that answer helpful. Now let's move on to the rest of social media. Malang Sambu in Italy says, so the semi-finals are basically West Africa versus North Africa. That's very interesting. I think it will end up being a West African final. So I'm assuming then, Malang, you think it will be a Senegal-Nigeria final if my geography serves me well. Emmanuel Sean in Zimbabwe says Nigeria will win this AFCON, so he's sounding very confident. And Medlove in Gambia, the two teams in the final will be Nigeria and Senegal. So quite a few of you obviously believe that the West Africans are going to make a strong claim by knocking out Algeria and Tunisia. Do keep sending in your messages to us via WhatsApp or on social media. If you'd like to get in touch, our number is plus four four seven nine five five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine five five two three two seven eight zero. Tell us your name and where you are following AFCON in the world. We'd love to hear from you. So that's it for today. Tomorrow we'll be back as we look ahead to those semi-finals between Senegal and Tunisia and Algeria against Nigeria. But for now, have a great day. Enjoy the day off from the football and we can't wait to join you again tomorrow. I'm Tom Ellis. And I'm Liam Flint. And you've been listening to Egyptian Dream, a Planet Sport Football Africa podcast from the team at Passion for Sport. Goodbye. Peace out.